Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Eight. Uh, we have a one-off talk for today uh, about me talking about my wish for St. Mark Church, my wish for 2019. And then next Sunday, uh, we will not have The Eight. And then after that, we're starting a new, um, a new series uh, about David, the, the prophet, and the king. So Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I don't know how long people say Happy New Year, how many days or weeks after, but in any, I think after today, I'll sit today with the last day, I'll say Happy New Year. This is a time where a lot of us start thinking about different goals, uh, start thinking, what can I do better for myself? And a lot of us think of that as far as maybe fitness, maybe diet, or places we want to go. And actually, you know, historically, uh, many statistics show that church attendance is highest uh, the, the, you know, in January because everyone says, you know what, I want to get things straight with God. And they start coming more uh, during the first couple months of the year. So we all have these different like, goals or, 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 or visions or things we want to work on at the beginning of the year as a family or personally or career-wise. I'll you know, point out my wife of something that she's kind of forced me to do uh, starting this year is this trending new show called Tidying Up. With, I think of her name is called Marie Kondo. But it's like this Netflix show. One time I, I was coming home late and I saw just tons of clothes stacked up on the floor. And she has her laptop open on the side and she's watching this show on how to tidy up. Like this, this woman is making millions of dollars to teach us how we can clean up our houses. And I was forced to watch a show. I mean, it's, it's in interesting. But like, that's our thing right now. It's trying to clean up and how we can be better at just having minimal things around the house. So it's, I would encourage you to watch. It's kind of cool. Uh, it's called Tidying Up. But anyway, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question that you're thinking about how you can be better at life, how you can clean up the house, how you can be better in your marriage and in your career and all these different things, how you can make 2019 a better year for you, which is great. But I want to ask a question that I'll show near the end of the talk that I hope makes you a little bit uncomfortable. A question that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. A question that resonates with you. A question that you walk out of here and you're talking about it with, with people at church or at work, because I want you to ponder on this one question. But first, I want to share with you my wish, my wish. My dream, my wish, my prayer, my desire for St. Mark Church is for us not to be a church that is stale, for us not to be a church that is routine, for us not to be a, a, a people that follow Jesus that are just pressing the autopilot button and we know when to kneel, we know when to pray, we know when to say our Father, we know what time we need to come there, we know what time everything is. We, we just know the routine. We sit in our same seat every Sunday, and we just kind of go through the routines. My wish for 2019 for our church is that your expression of faith cross a divine intersection. That your expression of faith cross a divine intersection. What do I mean by that? Your expression of faith is how you live out Jesus in your world how you live out Jesus in your relationships and in your work with your, with, with your parents, with your kids, whatever it might be, your expression of how you live out the one who is the fullness of life, how you express that out in your conflicts, how you deal with, with hardships, depending on how you're pointing at him, the man who is the fullness of life. Your expression of your faith, my desire is that your expression of faith crosses a divine intersection. What do I mean by that? Every single one of us come, comes to an intersection where we know what's the right thing to do. 
There's inside of us telling us we know what the right thing is to do. But we say, ah, it's okay. Everyone else is doing it. It's okay, I'll let it slide this time. And we, co we come up with very creative excuses for ourselves. But we come to that intersection that we have the decision to either come up with excuses or have the boldness or have the courage to take the leap of faith into the unknown. My wish for this year, on our theme that we talked about on New Year's Eve, that our theme for this year, for 2019, for San Mark Church, is for us to have the boldness. For us, we're, sometimes we need to take that action, to take that step forward, even though we don't have the answers to everything. Today in the liturgy and the sermon, we talked about Joseph, one of the most underrated people in the entire Christmas story. We don't hear a single word from him, and he is the man that led his family through hardships, that, 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 that through conflict, he led Mary and, and, and baby Jesus through to a foreign land in Egypt and took care of them, and he had to take all these courageous, bold steps as a man, as a leader for his family, even though he didn't have any answers to a lot of his questions or a lot of, of his fears. I promise you, when you do decide to take that step, when you do decide to take that step of courage or boldness to do the thing that you know is right, but you come up with excuses and not do it, and you're just passive, and you just check out from, from, from your marriage, from your relationships, from work, because you want to find the easy way out, I promise you, if you own up and step up and take that step of boldness and of that step of courage, and you, and you come to that intersection, and you take that step, I promise you, I promise you, you will see your Heavenly Father working in you in ways you have never experienced Him before. When you do take that bold step, then when you come and, 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 and attend the liturgy, all these ancient prayers that are like, is it over? Is it time to kneel down? Are we almost done? All those things that kind of go through our head when we're getting, getting bored in liturgy, I promise you, once you start living a life of saying, I, I'm going to take that step of boldness, I'm going to take that leap, and you, and you express your faith at that intersection and go that extra mile, once you start doing that, then all those prayers, all those ancient prayers are going to start coming alive. That all of yeah, we just say, Lord, have mercy, but I promise you, once you, you, you take that step, those words will become alive. One example, what we talked about today in the liturgy. When we say, lead us throughout the way into your kingdom, we say, God, lead us throughout the way. Now, we kind of just, yeah, 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 we pray it, and we just kind of go through the motions. But now, if I'm living a life of boldness, of taking that step, of living intentionally, then all of a sudden, that prayer that seems passive, I'm saying, yeah, Lord, I actually I need you to lead me, because I don't have the answers to everything. I need to follow your lead. How can I follow you as the one who desired to give me the fullness of life? How can I follow you so you can lead me toward the life that exists beyond this? Or every time that we say, Lord, let us give thanks to the beneficent God. Every time we just, yeah, the prayer of Thanksgiving, let us give thanks to the, Instead of us just kind of going through it, now we're saying, yeah, you know what? Let me thank him. Because I, he's not just a God. He's not just some sovereign ruler. He's actually a heavenly father. He's actually a beneficent God. That benefits me, that desires to do what's best for me, desires to edify me. Many of us think that God is just some sovereign ruler that's wanting to, like, say, don't do this, don't do that. I'm telling you, once you start looking at, at, at the, the commandments and what Jesus has told us, if you start looking at it in a way that edifies me instead of, uh, I promise you, the second you start saying, how can this edify me? How can this bring me nourishment? How can this allow me to live a, lead a life of fullness and edification? Then all of a sudden, those things are going to they're going to come alive to me. Or the 10,000 times that we say, Lord, have mercy. 
Yeah, time to say, Lord, have mercy one more time, and we just say it in 10,000 different ways. But if I'm wanting to live a life of boldness, and if I'm wanting to express my faith at that divine intersection of life, if I'm wanting to live a life of courage, then I'm saying, you know what? I do need his mercy, because you know what? I don't have it all together. I need to admit that I'm not all that. I need to admit I do make mistakes. I need to admit that I'm kind of broken. That all of a sudden, my look of God, instead of just being some distant figure that's just up in the clouds, now I see him as an intimate father that desires to nourish me, that desires to edify me, that desires to give me the fullness of life. Once you take that step of boldness this year, that when you hear in liturgy, when we say, that the priest says, that the holy, which is the body and blood, is for the holies. Now when you hear that, it's just like, yeah, yeah. The holy is for the holies. Are we almost done? It's time to kneel down. It's time for communion. I'm tired. Now when we hear it, the holy are for the holies. Yeah, you know what? I am holy. And I know I'm holy because my divine designer is holy, and he created me to be the best. You know what's another word for holy? Sant. That you are a sant. Don't distance yourself from the people in the past that are sants and the martyrs. Don't, don't distance yourself from them. That you are sant. You are holy because you're heavenly father created you to be the best once you take that step of boldness and the step of courage then all these things that seem kind of dry and just we're just staring at a screen and is it almost done they're going to come aligned once you take that step at that intersection for some of us here that intersection of where we need to take that step of boldness might be us breaking a habit an addiction a relationship. The second you, 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 you that, that, that itch inside of you where you know you shouldn't, you know this is, not be, this is not good for you, the thing that you know it's not good for you, and you know it's pulling you down, the second you say, you know what, this is going to be the year that I'm going to have the boldness and the courage to take that, that, take that step, that my expression of faith is not just going to be stale and static and not just for 30 minutes on Sundays, that I'm going to express my faith Monday through Saturday that once you take that step at that intersection and have that courage to take that, then all of a sudden your attentiveness to your heavenly father becomes more clear. The clarity of how you see your heavenly father will be 10 times more clear because you have taken that step of boldness. You have no idea what hangs in the balance for you not to take that step. What is that step? I can't answer that for you. But every single one of us knows there's something in us. That if I, if I just overcome this, my attentiveness to my Heavenly Father, my clarity of viewing Him working in my life, my, my relationship in an intimate way with Him will become 10 times more clear, will become dynamic, will become real, will become tangible, will become applicable to my life if I take the step of boldness at that intersection of life because you do not know what hangs in the balance if you do not take that step of boldness. Let me just give you one example of someone who took a step of boldness, who, who was at an intersection that decided, you know what, I'm not going to be passive anymore. And I want this God to become a reality, to become personal, to become incarnational to my life. This man goes by the name of Nehemiah. And before, oh, another Bible story. Hey, don't think, I, I, I want you to pause for a second. 
what I'm sharing with you now is Jewish manuscripts. What I'm sharing with you now is ancient Jewish manuscripts of a story of a man. This story of Nehemiah has no miracles, no has like stuff that's like, yeah, 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 this seems like unreal, has none of that. It's a book about leadership, it's a book about commitment, it's a book, it's a book about zeal and passion of one man named Nehemiah. And because this story is so dynamic and is so engaging, that the early Christians said, you know what, or not even the, the, the Jews said, you know what, we should make this part of our Jewish Bible because it, it, it teaches, so, teaches us so much about leadership and boldness and courage that they added it to the Torah. And then the early Christians said, you know what, this is very powerful. We should embed this in the Old Testament, which then became part of the New Testament. So look at this story through the lens of an ancient manuscript. So let me just give you some, some historical context here before we jump into to this man. Uh, named Nehemiah. So around the year 605 BC, the Babylonians invade southern Israel, which is known as Judah. So there is this foreign invaders of Babylon. They come and invade Israel, and they take the people out of in, in, in exile, and they take them out of their homes. And one of the, and, and maybe many of us are familiar with the story of Sidrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they're part of this group that is taken out of their homes and are put into exile because of the Babylonians. Now jump 70 years. Now there's a group of Persians that come and invade Babylon and take over the Babylonians. And now the Persian king tells the Jews that are in, that are in captivity, the Jews that are in captivity, they're telling them, hey, you know what, now, you, now you're not under control by the Babylonians anymore. You can now go back home if you want. You are free to do as you wish. So the Jews that are now being in, in, in exile in Babylon now have the freedom to go back home to Israel, to southern Israel, to Judah. They have that option now to go back. So they said, you know what? We should have had to go back home now. It's been 70 years. Let's go back. So they end up going back to try to get the economy going back in Israel, to kind of get things up and running back to normal. But they have run into so many different issues on what to do because only some of the Jews went back home to Israel, and some of them ended up staying in, in, uh, under the rule of, of the Persians because the Persians were a little bit more lenient, and some of the Jews were living great lives under being under the rule of the Persians. So some of the Jews decided to stay where they are instead of going back home to Israel. Everyone with me so far? The history part is over. We're reading now from, from Nehemiah's journal, Nehemiah's record of what occurred in his life, which happens to be chapter one of the book of Nehemiah. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hen and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. Pause. Right now, I'm, I'm running through the names because he, this is historical context of what he's giving. Like, he's not saying, like, this is the date. He's saying, dur during this month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hen and I, one of my brothers, like another Jewish man, came from Judah. He came from Israel with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Now Nehemiah is, is <clears throat> there's some Jewish people that have come back from, from Israel, and they were coming back, and Nehemiah is saying, hey, you know, how, how are things going? Like, how's the construction going? How's the economy doing? Is it picking up back home in Israel? Are things doing well? Like, are, are, are things picking up? Like, how are things going? They said to me, this is Nehemiah speaking, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the, proven, in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of our city, of our Jerusalem, is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I, Nehemiah, heard these things, I sat down 
and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. If I was Nehemiah, I'll be honest, if I was Nehemiah, we, do, do, we don't have any record that Nehemiah was Nehemiah ever in Israel. He might have just been born and raised under the rule of the Persians and the Babylonians and have never set foot actually in Israel. If I was in Nehemiah, I am living a great life. I am living a luxurious life with the Persians. Actually, he has a prestigious title and a role, which we'll get to later. So he was living the sweet life. Like, if, if there was other people coming from, from Israel, which I'm related to, and they're coming and they're telling me, yeah, things are kind of bad, actually, like downtown, like our wall, which is like our identity and which will protect us, it's kind of broken down, like things are a mess. If I was Nehemiah, I would 100%, uh, you know, God bless you, and I'll be praying for you guys. Like, you guys are my thoughts. Like, I wish you the best of luck. All right, take care. I, could easy, you could have easily said something nice and sweet and Christian to kind of get over it. And say, you know, I'll be praying for you. Yeah, you guys let me know anything. You know what? You know, here's the check, you know. Do you guys have a GoFundMe page? I'll send some money, you know. You know, may God be with you guys. That would be the easy thing to do. That would be the easy thing. And it seems Christian. Like, it, it would seem like a good Christian thing to do. But for Nehemiah to pause and to, and, and not just say, ah, that stinks, God. You know, you should do something, God. But he mourned. He fasted. He prayed. He says, Lord, God, you are awesome. Like, you are awesome. You you desire for us to keep, you, you have given us your commandments, not to, like, to, to make our life miserable. You come to edify us because you are the fullness of life. You are the divine designer of life, and you have given us these commandments in order for us to reach fullness and for us to reach a point of life the way you designed it to be. Nehemiah continues. I, Nehemiah, confess the sins we, Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant, Moses. Talk about a leader. Talk about a leader taking ownership. Saying, you know what? Including myself, God, not just those Israelites that I'm related to back home. No, no, no. All of us. Like, I know that you have given us your commandments, your word to edify us, to nourish us, in order for us to be bold and courageous to walk toward you. But you know what? We make mistakes. We keep on falling. Like, we don't follow them all the way that you designed us to follow them. We keep on making mistakes. We confess our sins. Now, Nehemiah is not going to quote God to God. Nehemiah is going to quote God to God. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you, your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Like now Nehemiah is telling God, God, remember, like you, you're God, you know, but I'm telling you, remember, remember what you said, that if we keep your commandments, that you will give us the best life. You will give us the fullness of life that you intended for us to have. But if we don't, we know that there's consequences. You told us that, remember? They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this 
your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This is chapter one of the book of Nehemiah. And he ends it by saying, I was cupbearer to the king. After him spilling out his prayer and his emotions and his vulnerability of how he feels about the situation, he ends by saying, yeah, I was pretty legit. Like, I had a legit job. I was a cupbearer. Cupbearer is like the right-hand man of the king. Like, everything kind of goes through him. But his heart is torn on as far as what to do. There is something inside of him aching. There is something he came now to an intersection where his expression of faith of to his God is at an intersection where he could have easily said, uh, you know, praying for you guys. May God be with you guys. And I'll pray for you. You need some money? I'll, I'll send some. He could easily said that. But he was at that intersection. And he ended up taking action and had the boldness to step up. And he actually left his prestigious job and rolled up his sleeve to go take on the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. My question, my question for you, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What do you see in this world, anywhere, that you see it, and some of us say, you know, ah, stinks. And for other of us, ah, you just, there's something inside of you that just itches. You just want, you want, you want this to be resolved. You want this to be better. You don't like this situation. What breaks your heart? You want to become a better person this year. And that's why you're here. I want to become a better person. If you want to become a better person, do something that will make the world a better place. If you're wanting to become a better person, do something that will make the world or someone's world a better place. You, I, we all know people that they see what's going on in the world and, what, and all the brokenness that exists. And they t they're the ones that would, that would sit on a couch, watch the news, and they say, yeah, see, you see what's happening? I'll tell you why this is happening. And they start blaming other people for what's happening. People who blame things don't change things. People who blame things don't change things. The easy reflex is for us to, pass, to, to sit there on the couch and watch things go by and say, you know what, they, they should, they're the ones that should be doing something. It's easy for us to blame our, our, our parents, our government, our president, blame our priest for the way things are. It's super easy to do that. Super easy. Well, we should be doing this. They should be doing that. I'll tell you why this is happening. It's because of this, they, they're not doing their job. It's easy. People who blame things don't change things. Your devotion to God is measured in terms of your devotion to others. Your devotion to God is measured by your devotion to others. That if you take that step of boldness, and the, and the precursor question is, what breaks your heart? For every single one of us, it's different. Yes, I want you this year to, if your goal is to lose weight, I want you to lose weight. If your goal is to have 
you know, is financial goals. I want you to have financial goals. You want to get that promotion. I, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I want you to have all that. That's great. But you're more than just a, a, a balanced checkbook. You're more than just a, a new title at work. You're so much more than that. You're not designed just for that. There is so much more to you. My wish for 2019 is for us as a church, is for us to, have, to take a courageous act of obedience and by answering the question, what breaks my heart? Even though I might not have answers to everything, but for me to have the boldness to take that step. Let me just share, share very quickly. I, I mentioned something about it in the sermon today, but this question, what breaks my heart? You know, people say like, how, you know, how did you know you become a priest? Uh, you know, at a young age and stuff. I'm telling you, what breaks my heart has nothing to do with priesthood. What breaks my heart has nothing to do with priesthood. I reached a point where church was just static and stale and boring. And do we have to go? And I want to sleep in. And I want to press the snooze button. I'm tired. I don't want to go to church. That was me. But when I was forced to go, it was just autopilot. Learn these hymns, say this, stand up here, bow down here. And it's just a checkbox. That's just what you do. But then when I, reached, uh, uh, when I reached the end and I said, what am I doing? What, what is this? Who is God? What, what are we doing? And once I started asking myself those questions, and then I, when I started diving deeper, and I said, actually, there's so much beauty. There's so much richness. And actually, this God, who I used to think is just, just a party pooper and just wanting to send down rules, actually, he's, he's so much fun. Like, God is so much fun and wanting me to have the best life. Actually, this God desires for me to call him father. Like, he desires a relationship. He desires, like, church should be fun. Like, church should be fun. And this has been my conviction. And that is my story. That's what breaks my heart, is when church just becomes dull and stale and just routine. And then our expression of our faith as Christians is just, is, uh, is just us sitting in a, in a pew or sitting in a chair and, and, and just calling it a week. And then the next time we say I'm a Christian is next Sunday. But once it became personal, once it became dynamic, this is what rocked my world. This is what breaks my heart. What is yours? I'm not telling you you, know, you quit your job and become a priest. or I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you. But I'm telling you, there is people in this church that have come to me and says, you know what? I have an itch of, like, I, 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 I didn't know that there's so many kids out there that don't have jackets, that don't have coats. And I'm like... Okay, I mean, I, I, that doesn't really, I mean, it's, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm like, that stinks, but okay, I mean, yeah, we should do something about it. And they said, you know what, I'm going to call this nonprofit organization, and I'm going to, to, make, to partner with them. We're going to have a box, and we're going to collect coats. I said, hey, let's do it. That's what breaks that person's heart, and that's what we're doing now. There's people in this church that says, you know what, Sunday school should be fun. Like, Sunday school should be so exciting that the kids cannot wait until Sunday morning to get to their program. It should be so much fun. And I say, yeah. And they took lead and, and researched how can we make Sunday school so much fun? Like, how can they realize how much God loves them and understand that God is not just a party pooper and dry, that he desires to have the best for us? There is some people here that breaks their heart that we don't have a permanent location. And they have come and says, hey, you know what? Here's a million bucks. Here's a land. Here's a church. Because that's what breaks their heart. There's some people here what breaks their heart is that church is just high and by. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I thank God. <laughs> Smiling. It. And then we call it a day. What breaks their heart is that. And they say, you know what? Church should be so much more than just that. Church should be intimacy. Church should be more than just rows. 
And those people have come to me and says, you know what? We need to have something like life group where we have intimate, personal conversation in depth and relationship. Not just, hey, how you doing? Okay, good to see you. Say hi to the kids. It should be so much more than that. That's what breaks their heart. What motivates you? What breaks your heart? Ask yourself that question and ask the people in your house or in conversation today. What breaks your heart? What's inside of you that just itches? Finish this quote. At the end of my life, I want people to line up and thank me for when I think, when I think at the end, when, I, I, when I'm, I'm done, I've served as much as I can. I've done my, my, my part as a priest. I want people to come in and thank me for what? You know what's a better image that I love, that I think about? Is that when I get to heaven, the people come up to me and I say, hey, you know, because of what you said that day, forget about what you said. Actually, they said because of your love that you showed me. Because you taking the time to meet with me for coffee. Because of the hug you gave me that day. Actually, it's because of what you did not say that planted a seed inside of me that made me more question about who Jesus is. That made me question of who God is to me. And that sparked something. It's because of you that day. That's why I'm here. I want someone to tap me on my shoulder and tell me that in heaven. And I want the same for you. But it starts by asking yourself the question, what breaks your you want people to come to you in heaven and say, you know, it's because of you that I'm here. And don't think big. Do not think big. You're not a preacher. Don't think big. I'm telling you. People will come and tap you and say, hey, you know that day you took time just to hear me out? You didn't say a thing, but you just heard about my problem. You were there just by my side. Thank you. What breaks your heart? This is my wish, my desire, my prayer for us this year. Let's stand up to pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you have created us in such a beautiful way. And you have implanted in every single one of us certain strengths, certain gifts, certain desires, and certain weaknesses. Every single one of us is different. And what breaks my heart might be different than what breaks the person next to me's heart. Lord, help me to ask, like, help me to dive deeper into that question. What breaks my heart? What is that itch inside of me that I kind of lose sleep and I, and I just keep on thinking about it? Help us to have the boldness and the courage to take that step, that when we come to that intersection with that question, that we can take that next step in our expression of faith and our journey toward the fullness of life, which is found in you the prayers of all your saints here says we all pray together saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen just a few quick reminders